The spiritual meaning of the new moon is the subject we're going to speak about. It's dedicated in loving memory of Lori Kay, who was torn away from us this last day of Passover. The moon means many things to all of us. But I will share with you new insights that I learned from this past weekend, spending Shabbat with the Poway, California community that was attacked viciously by a terrorist on the last day of Passover, leaving one death, Lori, some wounded, a Rabbi Goldstein, who has valiantly and courageously, amidst his wounds and his pain, risen to the occasion to demonstrate the best that we humans can be, as I discussed last week, how this weekend has transformed me and has given me a whole new way of looking at the moon, of all things. So it's just a little background. I was invited by Rabbi Goldstein, Rabbi Yisrael Goldstein, who is now a world-famous name, to come to the community to spend Shabbat with them, the first Shabbos, literally six, seven days from when the attack happened, to help comfort, to help heal, to speak, to inspire, to honor and celebrate together as well. So last Friday morning, <clears throat> on JFK airport, I come and I see the whole airport, the Wall Street Journal, covered with a big picture of Rabbi Goldstein, that anguished face, a face that saw death in the eyes. And then I come to the, to the gate, and who's there? Rabbi Goldstein and his son. They're on the same flight. We flew together. On the flight, I was speaking to the flight attendant, and she noticed him. So I suggested to her, why don't you make an announcement? And she did a beautiful announcement that we acknowledge. We extend our condolences to Rabbi Saul Goldstein and the Poway community, Chabad of Poway, where the attack happened. And in the spirit of Rabbi Goldstein's courage and his uplifting message, that light vanquishes darkness, a little light dispels a lot of darkness, and that our response to tragedy is to be better and even more goodness and kindness. She says, the flight attendant, let us all commit to random acts of goodness and kindness in that spirit. And the entire plane gave, her, gave the announcement of Rabbi Goldstein an ovation. On the way out of the airport, San Diego airport, again, everybody came over from all walks of life, from all persuasions, Jewish, not Jewish, all races, everybody came over to embrace, to share a kind word. So I've seen with my own eyes that which we've all witnessed on television when he spoke at the White House lawn and the article in the New York Times op-ed and the Wall Street piece and the many, many interviews that he's given a human being rising and transcending in such fashion. Where do you get such strength? I asked him in my program last Sunday night, My Life Chassidus Applied. You could check it out as well on our channel, on our My Life channel, on, our, on MeaningfulLife.com. Just look for a conversation between Rabbi Simon Jacobson and Rabbi Yisrael Goldstein. And he said, these are his words, this is my, I'm in the Rebbe mode. Sees himself as an emissary of the Lubavitcher Rebbe. And by default, without even deliberately thinking about it, he immediately went into that mode. Instead of cowering in fear, instead of running in, in, in retreat and in retreating, instead of licking his wounds, 
He rose to the occasion to comfort others, even with bloodied hands, to save others. And other heroes as well, I, just, I met an honor to meet in the Poway community, who went out of in harm's way to subdue and to frighten the rifleman, the shooter, the killer, until he, had, he ran away and then finally turned himself in. So this was an extraordinary weekend on Shabbat that's hard to even put into words. <clears throat> I just wrote an open letter to Rabbi Goldstein and his wife, to Howard and Hannah Kay, the husband and daughter of the late Laurie, and to the entire community, sharing my, my appreciation and thanking them for inviting me in to that most vulnerable and raw open wound. We'll be posting that as well after I send it to them, of course. So what, do I, what did I witness? I witnessed the best and the worst, literally the open wounds. You see the bullet holes in the banquet hall and the door. You see the floor, the outer chamber where Lori was shot down in cold blood and murder. And you see a community completely in shock, completely vulnerable, completely raw. And yet you see at the same time, with all that fragility, fragile state and vulnerable state, rising. Friday night, hundreds and hundreds of people, probably a thousand people were there. I don't even know. The synagogue was packed from wall to wall. And I hear synagogues across the country and the world were also packed. The, the crowd spilled into the street. And singing the Friday night service with such celebration, with such a dance. But you could sense in the dance was all the feelings, the mixed feelings, the horrible feelings. But above all, the feelings of resilience, of determination, that we will march forward and nothing will bring us down. Following the dance and the, and the service, we went out into the outer courtyard, beautifully set up, and everybody in a big circle, natural, just gravitated to the circles, singing the Shalom Aleichem, the songs we sing before the Kiddush on the wine. And then this was all followed by a meal, a festive meal, packed synagogue again. Peter, of Peter, Paul, and Mary was there. He came from New York to show solidarity. He actually sang Blowing in the Wind. And he hummed along when I sang a Yom Kippur melody. It was literally inexpressible because it was the true emotions, a moment of truth, of eternity that you can't really put into words. Now, what does all this have to do with the moon, you may ask? The spiritual meaning, the spiritual meaning of the new moon. Well, the new moon was exactly on Sunday, the Sunday following this past Shabbat, the new moon of this month of Ir that follows the month of Passover. All of Passover begins with the story of a moon. Did you know that? When God tells Moses, after the 200 years of bitter exile and bondage, Egyptian bondage, and God says to Moses, go redeem the people, poke the Pharaoh. Finally, the day comes. And when is it? On the first day of Nisan, exactly a month, the new month of Nisan, and God speaks to Moses and the Torah tells us, This shall be your new moon, your new month. But the word for month also means renewal. This will be your renewal. Because exactly in two weeks from now, 
on the full moon of this new moon, the people will be redeemed. They will leave this God-forsaken place and march toward Sinai and then toward the promised land. So it all begins with the story of a moon. I've often wondered, what did Moses see exactly? The same moon that we look at right now, Moses looked at then, and throughout history this moon has been with us, the same moon. Well, he saw in the new moon the secret of renewal. What is the secret of renewal? That right about when the moon is about to go extinct and extinguish, disappear, because of its angle to the earth, it's reborn again, a speck, a glimmer, but then it begins to grow. And then the first cycle, the first uh, quarter and the second quarter, the full moon, and it continues to wax. And then it wanes. It wanes, 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 and then is reborn again. And that's what God was telling Moses, that the moon is the story of renewal. So when we're hearing the new moon that came right after the last day of Passover, of redemption, of that full moon of Passover, comes the end of the moon, because already then it's already the end of the month. And the moon is waning, and it waned in a very profound way. It disappeared. And for the Poway community, it disappeared in a very literal way. A beautiful soul, a woman, an activist, beloved by the entire community, literally was extinguished from this world. Was ripped away, torn away. And yet, on the Sunday, right after the Shabbat, basically seven days from when the tragic event took place, the moon is reborn again. That's what I witnessed this weekend, this past weekend. I witnessed the darkest, the dark side of the moon, but also the rebirth. A rebirth that happened immediately. Not weeks later, not months later, not weeks later, not days later, immediately. And with Rabbi Goldstein at the helm, taking the lead and showing the way how the darkest moments of the moon lead us to light. Exactly what happened 3,331 years ago when the Jewish people left Egypt. So let's talk about the moon. The moon is a very interesting phenomenon. It mystifies us all. Everybody in some ways mystified by the moon. By that haunting, shimmering glow in the night sky. It has been the inspiration for science fiction, for music and songs, and for many other factors in our lives. The moon. Romance is so much associated with the moon. People stare, who love each other, they stare at the moon, not at the sun. Something about that haunting, white, grayish glow. The moon, of course, affects our universe, our earth. The tides are affected by the moon. Certain vegetation grows in the moonlight. And many other factors. We have spent trillions of dollars to explore, to orbit, to land and explore the moon. Our closest sphere. When you think about it, the moon has been, as I said, with us from the beginning of time. The moon has witnessed everything in history, literally. So what secrets does it carry? And what lies behind the fascination with this lunar sphere? 
So, as the mystics teach us, everything in this material world evolves from the spiritual. That means just like there's a physical moon, there's a spiritual moon. There's the soul of the moon. Like anything in life, there's the surface level, the tip of the iceberg, and there's what lies behind it. So one of the key messages of the moon is exactly that. There's a moon within each of us. There's a moon in the, in the, on a personal level, on a collective level, the story of renewal. The sun does not quite have that story. The sun is an incessantly, a unceasingly flow of energy. Yes, the sun has sunspots. It goes through its own fluctuations, but not quite like the moon. The moon is prominent in its change. And as I said, it's waxing and waning. And just as about to die, it's reborn again. But there's a lot more to it. <clears throat> the Zohar says, the classic work of Jewish mysticism, that the moon, it has nothing of its own. Its light is not its own. Its light is a reflection of the sun. And yet, it doesn't look like the sun. It doesn't even look like a mirror reflection because the moon has its quite its own type of light. So that's another element. In the Kabbalistic language, the moon is malchut. Malchut is dignity. It has everything, but it has nothing. Nothing of its own. It recognizes that it's a channel to channel higher energies than its own. The ultimate symbol of humility. And that and therein also lies its power. What else do we know about the moon on the spiritual side? We knew that the moon is also reflective of the Jewish nation, which is compared to the small luminary. So yeah, Jacob is called the small one. D David is called the small one. And the, and the Jewish people are called small. Small, again, in their humility. So in size and in number, they may be small. But in intensity and in quality, they are enormous. All this comes together when we look at this physical moon it is a reflection of our lives. Our lives are never an equilibrium that just moves smoothly like a, on, a, on a plane. It's constantly going through cycles, like the lunar cycles. We wax and we wane. We have ups and downs, twists and turns. And then there are moments when we feel all is hopeless. And But we see it through rebirth, renewal. Now, some of us experienced this in our lifetimes. Now we've witnessed it, and I personally witnessed it this past weekend in Poway. This whole paradox, the dance of darkness and light, of diminishment and growth, of pain and suffering, in greatness and virtue and nobility that emerges specifically from such dark times. Now many of us succumb and we become surrender and we become victims of our circumstances. The story of the moon is to tell us never to become a victim. You may go through shifts, you may go through cycles, you may even seem to disappear, but you have not really disappeared. And what was the Haftorah that we read on Shabbat? We read about the new moon. Because whenever Shabbat comes right before Rosh Chodesh, the new moon, which means on Sunday, is the new month, the new moon. So the Shabbat, the day before, we read a Haftorah called Mochar Chodesh. Tomorrow will be the new moon. Jonathan says to King David, King David was then 
in pursuit of, he was then running for his life from King Saul who wanted to kill him. Again, almost murdered. And what does Jonathan, Jonathan say to David? He says, that tomorrow will be the Rosh Chodesh party at my father's table. His father was King Saul. You will be missed or you will be remembered because your seat will be empty. So my father will ask about you and I will try then to evoke mercy of fond memories, of past memories in my father's mind. Because your seat is empty, you will be remembered. When your seat is full, someone's sitting there, we can take it for granted. Well, on a very personal level, on a very tragic and, and, and horrific level, Lori's seat was empty this Shabbat in synagogue. Her seat was vacant as well in her home and family, and vacant from the community. And yet she was remembered. The vacancy evoked, I don't know how many good deeds. I hear over a million people went to synagogue this past Friday night. Who knows how many candle, how many lights of candle, Shabbat lights and candles were lit. How much tefillin was donned on Friday, Nana Shabbat, and during the week. How many other good deeds have been born out of what? Of an emptiness, a vacancy. I was looking at the bullet hole, right through the door. One bigger one, one smaller one. One that the bullet went so powerful, it went all the way to the other end of the banquet hall, which is probably... I would say um, 100 yards. That's how powerful the shot was. And the rabbi tells me he was standing right there. When the gunman shot at him, he ended up taking one index finger and wounding the other. You see the blue bandages. And with those bandages, he is demonstrating and sanctifying God's name. He points and says, here's an index finger that I will not have any longer, but I'll remember God's omnipresence. Tell me if that's not darkness and light all coming together. The moment of a new moon. The sanctity of a new moon. Which is why we bless it. Which is why we sanctify it. Kiddush HaLavon it's called. And we bless it. Why are we blessing it? Because we're not just blessing a moon that God gave us a moon and it's reborn. It was blessing that we are of rebirth in our lives. You need some hope. Wherever you may be, go outside. Go outside and look up into the sky as Moses did 3,331 years ago. And as we all did this past Sunday. And look, you may not see much, but then look the next night and you'll start seeing a, a, a glimmer. And then it will grow. That's the story of your life, the moon within you. So what stories, what's, what, 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 uh, stories, what um, memories... What experiences has the moon witnessed? It's witnessed everything. The best in mankind and the worst. It witnessed the Holocaust. And it witnessed the heroism. It witnessed the, the bondage in Egypt. And when we were enslaved or oppressed by other nations, it witnessed every inhumanity that man has perpetrated on man. Every death, every murder. And it continues to witness it. But it's also witnessed to rebirth. So when we look at the moon, we have to look at the entire story, not just a half of the month. Not just half the story. The entire story. Unbelievable lessons. You don't have to buy a book. You don't have to watch a movie. You don't need to hear a lecture. Just go out and look at the natural moon. And think about the moon. 
What has it seen in history? Everything. And it's still standing with us. To remind us as a real witness that no matter what happens, I will be reborn and so will you. I don't know if there's a more powerful lesson in life. If someone were to ask you, what do you want in life? Some people say, I want a perfect life, no pain. That's not realistic. No. But you know what you can ask for? That no matter what I go through, never take away my hope. Never take away my belief. My faith. My optimism that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. That with all the darkness, the moon will be reborn again. That's what we ask for. To hold on to that, to that conviction and to that hope. Imagine life without hope. Yeah, can you go, get by without making mistakes for a short while? But we're all going to have setbacks. We'll all make our transgress. We'll all make our mistakes. The question is, what happens after that? Will you remain scarred and wounded and limp and wallow in self-pity and your own licking your own wounds? Or will you rise to the occasion? And the moon t- tells us exactly the lesson. That no matter where in the month it is, when it's a bright and light, great. But even when it's waning, it's, and even when it's about to die, it's reborn again. Now, how does one have the strength and presence to, do, to reach that? People say, you know what? It's hard for me. When things are going well, I like it. When things are not going well, yes, I become bitter and broken, and I don't have the strength. Where did this Rabbi Goldstein get the strength? So let's go to the emissary, back to the emissary. It comes from the humility of the moon that it recognizes rebirth. Because when you're completely consumed with self and ego, then your comforts are all that matter. Self-interest. But when you're saturated with humility, and then something happens that may be a negative, your humility doesn't allow that negative experience to become your total identity. It happened to you, but that does not become you. Because the you has that type of Humility, it has a selflessness. You've suspended yourself. The more self you are, the more the things that happen to that self become so prominent and dominant and all-consuming. The less you you are, which means the less consumed you are with the self and the ego and your own consciousness, the more you're able to be resilient. And the more you can buffer many difficult things. Viktor Frankl in Logotherapy, Man Man Search for Meaning, says that when you look for the meaning of life and you're focused on the meaning and purpose, the events don't have that quite the same import because even the most painful events have some deeper purpose. Or your deeper purpose transcends those momentary pain as as deep as it is, and you're able to move forward. Transcendence, in other words, the formula is, transcendence is an outgrowth of humility. Many people look for transcendence. They want to buy it. They want to turn something on by taking a drug or an action. Or some other behavior that they think will give them that rush. They never last because then you always need another high. What really is the key to... And all that transcendence is coming from you. That's why you can't come back and tell about it in the same way. You constantly become dependent and addicted and dependent and addicted to that substance or to that experience or to that action. Whereas if true transcendence comes from humility, it's not about you. Stop focusing so much about yourself and your wish 
and desire to have a high, to have a rush, and you know what happens? You'll get the highest rush of all. Sounds paradoxical. If I'm desiring to really reach a very transcendent level, shouldn't I be a go-getter? No, go-getter is good for material possessions. Acquisitions is materialism, physical things. But when you talk about things like truth, and transcendence, and God, and faith, and love, it's never through a go-getter approach. It's through actually sublimating yourself, suspending your strong desires and allowing it to emerge. It's a process that emerges. It emerges by you stepping back and being like a moon that has no light of its own. And then you reflect everything. Because as great as you are, you can only be as great as you are. But when you suspend yourself, you can become a channel for something much greater than you are. So we mortals, no matter what we've achieved, it's still mortal, it's still temporary, it's still impermanent. But when you suspend your, your impermanence, you suspend your identity, you can then become a channel for what? For the eternal, for the immortal. And that's what I witnessed as well. Death, mortality, touches community in a horrible way. And yet immortality emerged from the ashes, from the blood, because you saw human being and human beings rising to the occasion. Why? Because it was not about me. If it's about me, I'm in pain. I got to run to the hospital. My fingers are bleeding. You could be busy now and saying, you know what? Let me just go and raise money for my medical bills. When you go to help protect others, like we hear the heroes yesterday in the school in Colorado did, you suddenly see what happened. Why are they not just running for their lives? Why are they putting themselves in harm's way to protect others? Because they're not consumed with themselves. They're consumed with something deeper than the self. And then they get everything. So when you free yourself from all the what's the word I want you garments, from all the masks, from all the identities that we carry, you free yourself from all your machinations and plans and schemes and conspiracies. And you allow yourself to be naked. You allow yourself to be raw. Then you know what happens? You reach and achieve and you channel things that can never have been channeled because you're not in the way. So the humility of the moon allows its renewal. The sun is not the symbol of humility. The sun is the symbol of strength, of aggression, of exuding, of imparting. It has its role. But it's not the role of the student. It's not the role of the recipient. It's the role of the giver. So it has its purpose and role. So the sun, you're not going to learn renewal from because the sun is not in renewal. The sun is constantly giving and meant to give and meant to teach like a good teacher and meant to mentor and provide us with warmth and light and all the other things that the sun provides. Earth. The moon, on the other hand, is the quintessential personification of humility, of reception, receptive mode where it absorbs. And when it absorbs, it can absorb something greater than itself. Because it's not allowing itself to stand in the way. And we both have the sun and the moon within us. But here, of course, we're focusing on the moon because of the renewal. The moon deals with the pains, but also the joys of life. It deals with the downs, but also the ups. 
with the wax waning, but also with the waxing, with the diminishment, but also with the rebirth, with an empty and vacant chair, a vacant moon, an empty moon, a dark side of the moon, but then a rebirth, a remembering that comes directly an outgrowth of the vacancy, of the void, of the vacuum. And in life we have all these cycles in our own personal lives. So one of the tremendous lessons is be a moon. Be a recipient. Learn how to listen. Learn how to absorb. You'll grow. You may be a very smart person. You may be very capable, very accomplished, achieved many things. But that's as much, that's what you are today. You want to grow? You need to open your identity and say, you know what? As much as I've learned, there's more to learn. You'll see truly intelligent people have a curiosity like a child. But they know so much. But they're not consumed and deceived by their own and overwhelmed by their own knowledge. They're always learning something new from everybody and from everything. They're in the absorption mode. They're in the lunar mode. So the lunar expedition that we are on now, sending out a lunar probe to explore, is to explore the lunar energy within each of us. That's one of those, the lunar energy is the one that's mostly overlooked in our lives. Solar energy people identify with. Aggressive, powerful, giving off light. Each of us is doing it in our own way. Lunar energy is underestimated and underappreciated. It is the power to listen. And know that listening can be more powerful than speaking. It's the power to absorb and know that absorption can be greater than exuding. It's the power of being in a mode where identity and ego are shed on the side. And that brings the most powerful identity of a higher consciousness. Only possible because you have shed your skin, you have shed your layers, you have shed your perspective. It allows in new perspectives. All innovation, all growth will come when the previous identity, the previous state of being is suspended or put aside. That's the lesson in life. Sometimes, unfortunately, it takes tragedy and loss to discover that. As the loss in Poway, as now the losses in Colorado. And unfortunately, in the past months, we've heard more than we need to hear. There have been more pain than we need and deserve. Our goal now is to take that pain, to take that darkness and turn it into such a force of unprecedented revolution, of goodness and kindness that it will flood the world and drown out the sound of the bullets and the sound of anger and of hate and of indiscriminate anti-Semitism, racism, and all forms of Hatred to other human beings that are not like yourself. Which also comes from the selfishness and the self-absorption of your own way of looking at things. To suspend ourselves and become moons that reflect a far, far greater light. And bring that light into the world. That's what we have to do now. And we believe firmly that if you do enough of those good deeds and enough of light, it will ultimately vanquish the darkness. Where there no longer will be pain and tears and loss, a world that will bask completely in lightness and goodness and kindness. And it's up to us, each one of us who's heard this story, who's read about it, who's been inspired by it, has, an, has, a, has a responsibility. The responsibility is what are you going to do with it? 
What are you going to do with your arms and legs, with your fingers, with your mouth, with your mind and heart? Are you going to be self-absorbed? Or are you going to allow yourself to be a moon, a moon, a humble moon, spreading light everywhere you go, and therefore also achieving transcendence in the deepest possible fashion? So the spiritual meaning of the new moon, renewal, via humility, is a lesson in every aspect of life. The key to relationships is that. Two people. How do they get along when each one has their opinion, and especially if they have strong egos and strong personalities? Humility. Suspending yourself for a greater cause. And then you both reach a transcendent place that's greater than the sum of the parts. That's the secret to all relationships. It's the secret to all success. That you're able to acknowledge a mistake and not just be defensive and constantly pointing fingers or saying it wasn't me. Look honestly at something. Be humble and be accountable. And then what happens? It opens you up to growth. If not, you continue to do the same mistakes because you're refusing to acknowledge it. All healing comes from this process. Imagine an infection that's closed up and it festers. It needs fresh air. It needs something type of, if it's just self-consumed, self-contained, it will just fester and unfortunately grow. Fresh air is fresh perspectives, a new way of looking at things. That requires humility. Wherever you look, you'll find that before any great achievement, there's always going to be a certain void, a certain vacuum, what the Kabbalists call between yesh and yesh, between two states of being, there's an ayin be'emtza, a void or a vacuum in between. A seed needs to deteriorate and rot in the ground before it becomes a sapling and then ultimately grow into even a beautiful tree. A child is born, but it follows the birth pangs and the pains of pregnancy. We all go through the awkwardness of adolescence in order to reach adulthood. Creativity is a child of frustration. The greater the creativity, the greater the frustration that precedes it. You need to melt a piece of gold to turn it into a beautiful ornament. To grow, you need to put aside a perspective that may be very powerful, but to allow in a fresh perspective. If you're locked in your way, you'll never discover new solutions. Solutions come from letting go and not being trapped by preconceived notions, by preconceived axioms and givens, and by preconceived assumptions. It allows a new, fresh energy. Renewal. So coming from Passover, in a community they never ended their Passover because at the, at the middle of the reading of the Torah at 11.30 approximately, in the morning, the last day of Passover, which was Shabbat, a week before this past Shabbat, everything came to a halt. Death, wounds, blood, fear, running. So Passover never ended. I believe it ended this past Shabbat. So Passover, the, the holiday that is all about the renewal of the moon, the renewal of a nation after it went through harsh oppression, the renewal of a nation after it went through the harsh oppression of the Holocaust. So as Passover celebrates that, and the conclusion of Passover, yet another microcosmic tragedy, meaning individual basis, not necessarily, thank God, in the millions. Could have been a massacre, who knows. But there were heroes that prevented that. 
So what does that lead into the new moon of this month of Iyar? That we just began this past Sunday was the new moon. Sunday and Monday were two days of the new month. And we're now in the early stages. The moon is just beginning to grow. Go outside and look into the heavens and you'll see a moon that's just reaching its first quarter. A crescent. And then it will slowly grow to a full moon. Which will be the second Pesach, Pesach Sheni, that teaches us nothing is lost. You can always repair. Then it will wax when it wanes again, only to be reborn. The story of our lives. The story of our individual lives. The story of hope, of survival, of thriving, even after loss. A story that we've all witnessed, and I've personally witnessed, this past week. The goal here now is make sure the story does not end. Which part of the story? The story of hope does not end. That the only thing that ends is the pain and the loss. But what continues on is what it gave birth to. The growth, the goodness. So let us all join together and increase, deliberately, premeditated, increase in a good deed, just as this was a premeditated, deliberate darkness. Do something good every day. Document it. Share with others. Create a ripple effect, a viral effect. We can do it. Shortly we will be hearing from Rabbi Goldstein some initiatives that he's taking to make sure that this momentum continues. That this tragedy ends, but it gives birth, as I said, to a perpetual impact on all of us in a good way. Please join us at the Meaningful Life Center. Partner with us. Share these good words with people. When you see someone that may be a little quiet or lonely, never know. Share a good word, kind word, show support. Let us not be such self-contained, selfish creatures that only think about ourselves. Show some compassion. Make an effort. Show that you care. That you care. Imagine if each one of us take a moment every day to do that. How much goodness and kindness and light and energy, positive energy, will enter the sphere of this world. And if you need a reminder, look up into the sky, look at the moon. And as the moon winks to us, wink back and say, we've taken your lesson. We've learned your lesson. You've been with us since the beginning of time. And I get what you're saying to me. That after every pain, there is growth. That as even when it wanes, it will be reborn again. There is rebirth, always. The moon remains this type of silent witness, but also silent motivator. It's a silent cheerleader in a way, reminding us of all the darkness, but also all the light that came out of the darkness. Reminding us both personally and collectively. So may the community in Chabad of Poway and the entire Poway community be consoled, be strong. Howard and Hannah, Rabbi Goldstein, Dvori Goldstein, and all the family and friends and community that I got to know and became part of. May you thrive, may you grow, may you prosper. May you take the energy of all this loss and all the shock, not just heal from it, but create new and unprecedented forces of good in this world. And may each of us 
feel that we're part of one organism. We're part of one unit. We're not separate entities. When one part of the organism hurts, all of us hurt. When one is ripped away, all of us are affected. And when we strengthen one part, the rest of it also gets strengthened. Perhaps we'll merit. I won't say perhaps. We definitely, certainly will merit that if each of us does our part and we create and use technology to reach millions, if not billions of trillions, billions of people, we'll ultimately, yes, achieve the goal, the destination of it all, a world that becomes a divine home and a divine garden. This has been Simon Jacobson speaking about the moon, speaking about events in our times, and welcoming you all, inviting you all to participate, to partner. This is the mission of the Meaningful Life Center. Meaningfullife.com, a full array of resources. Take advantage, share, comment, suggest. We're in this together. Thank you very much. We're here every Wednesday, 8.30, and all these programs are archived. You can download them as podcasts, MP3s, and in any, all the platforms that are possibly out there. Be blessed and be well.